0: We're not told which two of the disciples had this great honor. Did you notice that? Usually Peter and James and John are the ones who get to go on the special missions, but just put yourself in that company of 12. Imagine, if you will, this morning that you heard Jesus say, hey boys, I need a couple of you to do something for me. We'd all shoot our hands up, wouldn't we? We'd all want to be like Peter and James and John and get to go on the exciting missions, you know, up on the mountain of transfiguration, into the inner room where he raised the little child. We'd all like to be on those special missions, and so we'd all put our hands up. Whatever you want, Jesus, whatever you say. I imagine that these two disciples were not Peter or James, not Peter or Andrew, I think it was probably the lesser-known ones. You know those guys whose names we scratch our heads a little bit at? Simon, the Canaanian, one of those guys. I imagine they shot their hands up, and then they instantly regretted it when Jesus said, okay, go get me a donkey. How about something cooler? No, 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 go and get me a donkey. Don't you wonder what they would have wondered about as they walked? A donkey? Really, Jesus? A donkey? We're not told which two of the twelve were assigned this special mission from our Lord, but we are told that Jesus has gone ahead. Somehow, some way. he already knows as soon as you get there, you're going to find it just like I'm telling you. Go and get the donkey, boys. Now, I imagine that as they walked, they would have talked, right? Did we really hear him right? Did he really want us to get a donkey and a colt and what are we supposed to say if anybody troubles us you know if anybody says hey don't steal my donkey the Lord needs it is this really going to work did you bother asking him why we're doing this no I didn't want to look dumb so I just said yes of course Lord whatever you say Lord I'll go get a donkey for you Lord why can't he just do what everyone else does Why can't he just do, you know, what we do every year when it's Passover? Why can't he just walk into the city? I'm not really sure. But if he wants a donkey, then I'll find him a donkey. Go and get a donkey, Jesus says. And with those those words, Jesus leads us along with those two unnamed disciples in a new church year. Another year of Christ's grace begins with him giving us seemingly strange commands. Go get me a donkey, Jesus says. Now maybe they understood, right? Maybe they knew exactly what was going to happen. After all, Matthew tells us this all took place to fulfill prophecy. So maybe as they were walking, they thought, hey, we get to take our place in the fulfillment of God's word. What better honor could we have? Maybe, but not really, right? John's Gospel points out that when these things happened, the disciples did not understand at first. But when Jesus was glorified then, then they remembered that these things had been said about him and had been done by him. Hindsight is 2020, after all, but in the moment, in the moment, their vision, just like ours, is rather blurry. But not Jesus. Jesus knows just what he's up to. Jesus knows just what he wants. Jesus is the grand maestro, right? Jesus is the one who orchestrates this whole thing. And when I say that Jesus orchestrates the whole thing, I mean the whole thing. Jesus orchestrates that there will be a donkey right there and that there will be a colt right there. Jesus orchestrates the ride into the city and he orchestrates the people's reaction. Jesus and the Spirit of Jesus are in charge of everything that we hear about this morning. Now, the chief priests and the scribes were all in a fuss about it. They didn't like what was going on. Don't you hear what they're saying about you, Jesus? Make them all be quiet. To which our Lord spoke those wonderful words if they were silent, the very stones would cry out. See, Jesus knows what he's about. He knows what he's after, and even if his commands seem strange to us, none of his commands are strange to him. So he says, get a donkey. Get a donkey and watch and see, boys. Get a donkey and watch and see how I make these people throw their cloaks on the ground. Get a donkey and let me show you how I will make them cut down the branches and shout my praises. That's what Jesus has in mind regardless of what was going through those two unnamed disciples' mind and regardless of what is going through your mind this morning. Jesus knows who he is and he knows what he's about. And it's my job to tell you here today that Jesus still wants to orchestrate scenes just like this one. Jesus still would have it that you would cast down your cloaks before him. Jesus wants you to be like those disciples who cut down tree branches, who lost themselves in a bit of riotous activity, who were shouting his praises. For still to this day, Jesus orchestrates these very things, a donkey and cloaks and trees being cut down and the praises of his people resounding in his ears. You may not understand it all. I may not understand it all. But in the mind of Jesus, everything is clear and everything is perfect. And so if you don't grasp it all now, that's okay. You're in good company. They didn't understand these things at the time. And they did them all anyways. Now, let's take those three things, right? This donkey and these cloaks and the tree branches. That's going to be the sermon today. So if you kind of daydream a little bit, you can always come back and remember, those are the three things I want to point out to you this morning. First, consider the donkey. I have a poem for you. It's a famous poem by a man named G.K. Chesterton. It's called The Donkey. And it goes like this. When fishes flew and forests walked, and figs grew upon thorns, some moment when the moon was blood, then surely I, the donkey, was born. With monstrous head and sickening cry, yee and ears like errant wings, the devil's walking parody on all four-footed things, the tattered outlaw of the earth of ancient crooked will, Starve, scourge, deride me, I am dumb, I keep my secret still. You fools, for I also had my hour, one far fierce hour and sweet. There was a shout about my ears and palms before my feet. Such is the donkey, this strange beast, this strange animal with monstrous ears, with crooked will, I don't think any of us would dream of being a donkey, would we? It's not what we would uh, consider to be a noble beast. And yet it is the donkey that Jesus chooses to ride in on. Why? Of all the animals he could have ridden in upon, why is it that our Lord wants to be seen on a donkey? In fact, he goes to great lengths to make sure that when you go into the city, there's going to be a donkey right there. Go and get it for me, boys. I want that donkey. Well, we hear that prophecy, don't we? We know that the prophet, long before Jesus was born into the world, spoke through the spirit of Jesus. Behold, your king comes to you, humble and mounted on a donkey. The donkey is a picture not just of crooked ears and strange figures. The donkey is not simply an animal with a strange sound in its mouth. The donkey is a humble animal, and it is that very fact that makes it the proper animal that Jesus rides in on. What kind of a king is this Jesus? Who is the Lord of glory? Who is this king, Jesus, who rides in? He is the king who rides on a donkey. Jesus comes on a donkey to proclaim to everyone who is watching that he is indeed the fulfillment of prophecy but that he is the fulfillment of this particular kind of prophecy a king who comes in humility a king who lays aside his own glory and takes up takes up the burdens of his own people Now just think of what kind of a king you have You don't have a king who simply glories in himself. You don't have a king who sits back and makes you do all the hard work while he kicks up his feet. You have a king who rides on a donkey. You have a king who, when he wants to make a grand entrance, says to his disciples, get me a donkey, boys. You have a king who will be even more humble than that. For Jesus rides in on a donkey, but he will be ridden out bearing his own cross. Do you see the glory of this humble donkey? Do you see the glory of your king, Jesus? And he would have it that he would be enthroned not only on a donkey, not only on a cross, but that now, now you would carry Jesus. If we wrote a poem about ourselves, we might end up sounding a little bit like donkeys. Some of us have monstrous ears. Some of us have rather crooked wills, but all of us have the same King. All of us have this same Jesus. And just as he did not consider it too small of a thing to ride in on a donkey, just as he did not consider it beneath him somehow to die for your sins, so now he says, I'm going to come with you. I'm going to ride through this world on the backs of my people. What a privilege that donkey had, right? His was a sweet sweet hour. There was a shout about his ears and palms strewn before his feet. And what a sweet privilege you have, dear friends, to be called the people of Jesus, to have his name emblazoned on your foreheads and on your hearts. When you go out from this place, you are not going out like donkeys, wild and perverse. You are going out as the people of Jesus Christ, carrying him into the world all around you. This is what our King Jesus shows us today. He rides in humble on a donkey, and he rides out humble on your backs. So carry him well. Dear friends, if he gives you a command and you don't understand it at first, don't worry. You're in good company. The disciples themselves didn't understand it all. But they counted it all a joy. They counted it all a great privilege to be the ones who Jesus spoke to, to be the ones who Jesus gave his commands to. Secondly, let's consider these cloaks that are thrown down in front of Jesus. Think about the clothes that you put on this morning. Clothes serve two purposes, don't they? First, they have just a very practical purpose. They have a function. They cover us up, and they hide away those things about ourselves that we don't want anyone else to see. So if you are a little bit concerned about your hips, you make sure that you have a roomy, some roomy, pants. If you don't want people to see your arm, well, make sure you wear nice long sleeves. You cover yourself up with your clothes and they keep you warm and they keep you hidden and they keep you covered. That's their function. But your clothing also, your clothing also makes a statement about you, doesn't it? So you want people to know that you're a Kentucky basketball fan, so you wear blue, right? Well, you do it because it's Advent one and you want people to know you're Lutherans, right? Our clothing makes a statement. It does these two things. It covers us up, and it shows a picture to the world. We want to be seen as people who are fashionable, or maybe who are unfashionable. Whatever it is, our clothing makes a statement about us. But Jesus wants you to lay all of that down in front of him. Jesus orchestrates this whole thing. The spirit of Jesus is the one who is at work in this whole scene, and Jesus doesn't want you to cover yourself up in his presence. Jesus doesn't need you to hide yourself away. He doesn't want you to pretend that you are someone that you are not. He can see through everything. Before our Lord, all of our hearts are wide open. So why not throw down your garments? Why not throw off those coverings? Why pretend to be something that you are not? Why try to hide yourself from Jesus? Well, I know why I would wanna hide it, because it's also embarrassing. If Jesus could see, if the people in this room could see all of my thoughts and all of my feelings and all of the strange things that pass through my mind, I wouldn't want to show my face to any of you. I want to remain covered up. I want to be hidden away. And there's something good about that, isn't there? I mean, really, if everyone saw everyone else's thoughts, none of us would ever talk to each other. But see, before Jesus, everyone is seen. That's why we confess our sins. We don't try to hold on to these things. We throw them down in front of Jesus. And instead of making fun of us, instead of ridiculing us, instead of saying to each and every one of us, you are disgusting. Jesus says, I love you. Jesus said, I have died for those sins. Jesus says, let me take all of that stuff off of you and let me give you something better in return. See, better than clothing yourself, better than making your own statement about yourself is to let Jesus make his statements about you. For what he says about you is that each and every one of you are dearly loved. What Jesus says about you is that each and every one of you has purpose in his kingdom. What Jesus says about you is better than anything that your clothes could ever confess. So throw your garments before Jesus. Let yourself be open to him and let his word, let his word, Have free course in your life. Lastly, there are these branches. Strange, isn't it, that when Jesus rides into the city, some people start ripping off their clothes and other people go and start cutting down trees. Not exactly what I would call normal behavior, is it? And yet Jesus is orchestrating the whole thing. The spirit of Jesus is at work leading the people to do these very things. See, it was Passover when he went into that city. And if you know a little bit of anything about the Old Testament, you know that there were different feasts, right? We can't always remember all of them, but we know there was Passover. And then there were a couple of others. The other big feasts, the other big festivals were called Pentecost, sound familiar? And then one that we know very little about called Booths. And it was at the Feast of Booths in the seventh month that the people were commanded to bring tree branches. They were supposed to come into the temple there at the Feast of Booths and start celebrating with branches in their hands. Well, apparently, apparently people got confused. Here comes Jesus, and it's Passover, but everybody starts acting like it's booths. You know what it would be like? It would be like if you came in this morning, and the first hymn started playing, and it was dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun, you'd feel a little bit strange, right? Why are we singing an Easter hymn on the first Sunday in Advent? Well, I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why they started cutting down tree branches. It wasn't just because they lost their minds. It was because when Jesus shows up, then the future comes into the present. Jesus is orchestrating this whole thing. The spirit of Jesus is at work doing all of this. And so as it will be in the end, so it becomes in the present. The people can't tell whether it's Passover or whether it's Pentecost or whether it's booths. And so they do it all at once. And the same thing would still be true today. Jesus says, what I have prepared for you is guaranteed. The future that I have prepared for my people is glorious. It is holy. It is righteous. And as it will be in the end, so it must be now. You aren't old-fashioned, stubborn, donkey Lutherans. You are people of the future. You are people whose destiny is prepared by Jesus. You are people who have a glorious hope that is guaranteed for you. So act like it, right? I don't mean that you should go home and cut down branches from your trees, although you can if you want to. People do that kind of thing this time of year. They put them on their front doors and call it a wreath. Strange behavior, don't you think? But I would have you be even stranger than that. I would have you be the people who Jesus wants to. You to be. I would have you be the people who Jesus has promised that you will be, the people who are not concerned with the works of darkness, but the people who are clothed in Christ Jesus, the people who are humble like their king, people who are righteous like their king, people who are loving like their king, people who are faithful like their king, people who are hopeful like their king. How much time do I have, right? We could go on and on and on, but the point in all of it is this. You have a king who has come to you humble and lowly. You have a king who has prepared for you a glorious future. So don't be old-fashioned. Don't live in the past. Don't live according to the former things, the sinful, dark things. Live in the light of your Lord Jesus. Be clothed in his righteousness. Live by his commandments, even if they seem rather strange. After all, he told those two disciples, go and get a donkey. And they didn't get it at first, but it was one of their greatest honors. It was one of their greatest privileges. And one day, one day we will even know which of the disciples did it. Because when we get there, dear friends, you can be sure that they will be raising their hands and saying, It was me. I got to be the one who went and got a donkey for my Lord Jesus. It wasn't too little for those disciples. And nothing that our Lord Jesus commands you is too small for you. So take it all up willingly. Take it all up gladly. gladly. And you may, you may, if you will, you may even shout about it a little bit. After all, if you don't shout, the very stones will cry out. To Christ be the glory now and always. Amen.